Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay, so today on The Less Stress Life, we have a dear friend of mine, Emily Field, who is a real food dietitian that teaches women a macro-based balanced eating approach so they can finally break up with deprived dieting behaviors and nonsense food rules for good. Through flexible dieting and tracking macros and tailoring nutrition around effective exercise, her clients are stronger, leaner, and more confident than ever before. They're typically enjoying more food and stressing less about their eating habits. So this resonates hard here in the new year. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. Yeah. So maybe um, it's just funny how the world works a little bit. I met Emily, you know, straight out of college. We both were, uh, we both did some interning in St. Louis, and we were going to a policy conference in DC. And long story short, I was looking for someone about the, you know, same speed came from the same place that I had just come from. And so for a couple years, we'd meet up in DC and do nutrition (laughs) policy work. And uh, it was just fun. And then I didn't see or hear from her in like six years. And then, you know, this online world happened. And now I see her all the time. And she's really, I mean, Emily is like your go to girl in this area. Um, (laughs) She is really killing this. And I mean, she's really a role model of what um, so many of us should aspire to in helping uh, people, especially women, um, maximize food for lifestyle. I mean, I just, I could go on and on, but, um, yeah, it's just Thank really you. fun to have this conversation. You're so sweet to me. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's funny, Emily, I kind of thought like you had just ghosted cause you, I didn't find you on social media anywhere for many years. I was like, oh, I wonder whatever happened to Emily field. And then all of a sudden she's all over the place. And now we right. actually work together for, um, you know, on a little side program doing something. So it's just funny how the world kind of brings you back together. It's very small place. Yeah. And you know, what was happening in those years was me finding my way because we were, we both kind of grew up in a traditional dietetics program doing and like jumping through all the right hoops to become registered dietitians. And then much like your story, I think mine is similar where some things went wrong along the way in the sense that I couldn't really hack my health. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I needed to go back to basics 
expand my worldview of nutrition and maybe invite new opinions and like new resources. And so I was finding my way at that time before I could like come out and teach it to somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that you said that right there. And that's kind of the thing that I think I know that there are a lot of people who are into nutrition listening to this podcast. It's just by way of a lot of the content we share. But I think that that is a um, that's what's kind of curious to me is that we went through traditional programming. And I think this is the thing. Um, someone once said, don't go to a practitioner that ever stops learning, because there's so much more beyond mm-hmm. what your initial foundational education is, um, that you might want to work in, right? And that's kind of what happened to you. I'm always kind of mm-hmm. curious, like how you got to where you are now working in this with this method that you have. Well, yeah. So I guess if we were to say what I'm doing right now, just to reiterate, is a macro-based eating pattern. So I'm a registered dietitian who uses tracking and tracking your macros, specifically your proteins, fats, and carbs, to help get you to better health, better body composition, better athletic performance. And I got there by... I mean, really trying to understand uh, a framework that people could really latch on to easily. So that started with a foundation in PFC eating. So this idea that you want to have a sizable portion of proteins, fats, and carbs on your plate. And why? Because you can have lasting energy and balanced blood sugar. And then, you know, a lot of times our weight issues and energy issues, sleep issues, cravings, hunger, stuff like that is rooted in not having a balanced plate. So instead of teaching people the food groups or like milligrams or like, I don't know, points or like anything like that, I thought, why not just get back to basics and just teach people what food is made of, proteins, fats, and carbs, teach them what that's found in, you know, like your grains and dairy and uh, fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, things like that. Uh, and then how to make a plate out of that. Because if we can fall back on a very simple framework, you can apply that framework to your social events, to restaurant eating, to home eating, and all different kinds of things. And it doesn't have to stress you out. I love this. I reiterate, someone asked me the other day, like, what's the difference with working with you versus XYZ person? And I said, the whole premise of how I try to format things is to empower you with the information you need to take in so you don't actually need me anymore, right? That's kind of cool. <laughs> yes. like you don't, I, you won't need me to hold your hand because you will be learning how to take charge of your own health. And that's exactly what you just said. With why don't mm-hmm. we teach people? I actually wrote down soundbite. Why don't we just mm-hmm. teach people what food is made of? Like, duh. Who you mm-hmm. know? Who would have thought? Why do we overcomplicate things? Why? Why is nutrition overcome? Nutrition is like fun and sometimes Mm -hmm. the overcomplication can be fun, but really you have to know the basics. And that used to drive me bonkers because I felt like people didn't know the basics. So you're kind of, um, you're, I I love, I'm on the same soapbox, but my Mm -hmm. question for you is PFC eating an existing movement? Cause I just thought you invented the term. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's funny. I, I learned it from another dietitian, but she wasn't really using it very publicly. And I was like, I love this. I'm latching onto this, you know, everything, your practice is, molding and just like, just like mine is it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for evolving. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm taking bits and pieces of things I've learned from other people and learning what really resonates with my ideal clients and that framework, just calling it an acronym PFC, like reverberates in people's brains after I meet them once, or if I work with them for three months, or I run a challenge with them at their gym. And I love that because even if they didn't like absorb 100% of the stuff I talked about, they can always come back to PFC eating. So looking for protein, looking for fat and looking for carbs on their plate, because 
if they can do that, they're going to eliminate and stay ahead of a lot of the trouble spots that we end up seeing with people in our practice. So cravings and sleep issues and adrenal fatigue and like all this, this running list of things like trouble around the midsection and losing weight. You know, if we can master the basics of a balanced plate and balanced blood sugar from real whole food, like you're going to eliminate a lot of, a lot of problems. Yeah. Love it. And the blood sugar balance is so key for so many pieces, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you can kind of, um, so fun little story. I don't know if you do any of this stuff, but when I, I think micronutrient tests can be kind of fun and they're not as common as you would think. Like you'd think, Oh, that should just be common. Very uncommon actually. Um, Mm -hmm. there's only really a few companies that even do a comprehensive panel, but it's fun to look at them because sometimes you can just see looking at it like, Oh, I bet you crave sugar all the time because these nutrients are depleted, which kind of Mm -hmm. equate to that. uh, Right. Um, chromium and B vitamins and some of the other, like there's some different carbohydrate, um, markers. That's kind of fun. Um, so I'd love to hear about the mechanics of how you do this sort of, um, but first, before we get into that, um, I know you kind of talked about this a little bit, but we didn't get, a. would like to hear a little bit more about how you did arrive at this method, because, mm-hmm. um, I know like maybe you were working in gyms. I know you started learning from another dietitian. Walk us through mm-hmm. a little bit of that evolution of how it started and how it kind of came to fruition to what you're doing now. Well, let's backtrack to St. Louis, Missouri, when we actually met when we were in our registered like training, registered dietitian training, we were um, in grad school, and I was feeling like young 20s, I was like, lousy energy, craving food, hungry all the time, not really seeing like, I don't know, I was putting some effort into the gym, and I wasn't really seeing the results that I thought I should be. And I was like, what am I like, what is going on? Like, I should I'm supposed to be feeling like the best ever. I'm like, young and I, you know, I'm taking care of myself through good nutrition. Why am I not feeling great? And it kind of came at a, you know, at a time when, you know, like I said, I was like, I got to go back to basics. I got to figure out what I had to hack my own health. And what I realized was after starting to evaluate my typical diet, that I was having a disproportionate amount of carbohydrates in my diet and not enough protein and not enough fat. So I was riding a blood sugar roller coaster all day long. I was, you know, um, reaching for, you know, cereal and low fat milk or high, high sugar by default yogurt, for example, or granola in the morning or a protein bar that was very much lacking in protein advertised incorrectly, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And then I would ride that high for a couple hours and crash mid morning. And then I would reach for something snacky, like a hundred calorie snack pack here or there, or something from the vending machine at my work, ride at blood sugar high for a while. And then it's lunchtime. And then let's just say I was feeling like, I don't know, like a plant-based salad, nothing with really any protein on it, more like beans and legumes or something. But it wasn't a hearty enough portion. So I I did this all day long. I was riding this roller coaster all day long. And like I've alluded to before, it didn't really produce the results that I was looking for. And I just felt lousy. So when I started to evaluate that eating pattern and say, hey, like I think I'm missing some key nutrients here. I'm missing protein to feel fuller longer. And I'm definitely missing fat because I kind of grew up thinking fat was bad and low fat is best. Um, I wasn't really threading in the nuts, the seeds, the olives, the coconut products, maybe the full fat dairy products like I do now. Um, And so when I started to shift in that way and really make the ratio, I guess, of my plate look like a third, a third and a third proteins, fats and carbs, I start started to feel almost immediately better. And so um, I rode that for a while. And then I kind of found the paleo ish movement, where I was kind of cutting out some of the more refined grains, the refined sugars, really taking a look at the quality of my food, 
that even helped progress me even farther down this, um, this road of feeling really, really good in my skin. And then I found CrossFit. And so a lot of this stuff married into each other, you know, the paleo movement is very big in the CrossFit community, you know, eating well for that type of activity is very popular. So then I got to the spot where, all right, so the quality of my food is great. I feel good in my skin. Um, now how much is appropriate for me? Cause that's a natural next step. Once you master the, the quality of, of food in your, in your, um, diet and you are making for a balanced plate, the next natural question tends to be, okay, how much food is appropriate for me for what I want to do? And that's where macros comes in. And so, uh, that it became a very natural, um, progression for me. And then that's how I teach my clients. We never jump to macros before we master the basics of having real whole food most of the time and having that PFC balance on your plate most of the time. Um, and then the natural next step is to kind of assign, here's a range of protein that you should aim for each day. Here's a range of fat that you should aim for each day. And here's a range of carbs that you should aim for each day. And you, well, track your food and, and, um, try to hit those numbers. And I was doing it myself. So it was very easy to teach other people. And I'm not sure if this is the same for you, but I rarely ever recommend anything that I haven't tried myself. Yeah. Cause it, you, you need to know what's, uh, mm-hmm. what the potential pros and cons are. I was actually just thinking in my head, what do you say to people that, um, they're like, Oh, I don't like tracking. Um, and I, I, I would tell them, like, I would tell them I don't like it either, but mm-hmm. it's training wheels. And maybe I know like for you, it's really second nature at this point and maybe some of your clients, but do you get some pushback sometimes? Absolutely. And that is something that we talk about right away. Just try it my way and then we'll go from there. Just try it for a temporary and then we'll go from there. Uh, you know, I don't think that the future for everyone holds tracking forever. And that's not ever what I say to people. I'm saying, again, like you said, training wheels for this three month period or six month period so that you can recalibrate your understanding of what proper portion sizes look like for you. And then that will become second nature that will become that can turn into intuitive eating because you understand what is appropriate for you. I think so often my clients are trained to under eat and they think less is more. And so they actually don't have any idea what an appropriate amount of food and volume of food looks like for them. And so once they start to get used to that with a couple months under their belt and having the data to back that up where they are leaner, stronger, they feel great, they sleep great, there's no more cravings, their skin looks great, uh, then they obviously trust the process and they can let go of the tracking and they, they move to maybe a couple times a week or a couple times a month or when they're training for an event, something like that. Yeah, totally. Um, and the side note to that is like, how do you know what to change if you don't have the basic data? Right? Totally. So, so often, I mean, people that it's a requirement, right? Because I can help you faster, just like you could, if there's data, like if you just give me all the data to look at, right? So if you give Mm -hmm. me what to look at, I can say, oh, well, we just got to do this, this and this. Whereas like, if you have to spend all this time recounting it and our memories are not good, right? Either. So, mm-hmm. so there's a lot oh, of totally. pieces, there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, Cause you can look at it quickly and get an idea of someone's diet quality, where mm-hmm. they're, what they're probably perceived understanding is and how to correct that probably. Um, you know, what are some things you admit and immediately see when you're looking at, at one? I immediately see under eating uh, breakfast and lunch and then uh, overcompensating at dinner or under eating Monday through Friday and overcompensating on the weekend. Um, we tend to start off the day. I'm going to be good. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm starting off. I'm losing weight. I'm really dedicated. And so that 
equals or translates to under eating. It means a very skimpy breakfast that is lacking in protein that will keep you full. It's lacking in fat that will keep you full. It's something quick and easy like a granola bar or cereal or maybe even nothing at all. And then lunch, same thing. It's something eaten out. It's something at the desk. It's something at a fast food restaurant that tends to be low in calories because we think that's the answer for uh, what we want to maybe lose weight or to feel better. And then by the time you're walking in the house, it's like rush to the cabinets, like not off a piece of cheese from the, from the refrigerator, like bust open the crackers. Like you can't hold back that hunger. And there's that exhale that happens after you get home from work. A lot of times for people, you can kind of hold it together tight, grit your teeth through the workday. And then when you come home, that's that exhale that happens with stress and that, you know, wave over you. And that can be where emotional eating happens. That can be where overeating happens and just compiled with the fact that you're hungry. Uh, there's no holds bar. You're going to be uh, overeating at that dinner meal. So once we start to see that, I can point that out to clients. I can say, all right, let's back end or that's front, I'm sorry, front end your meals with more protein, more fat, have somewhere like 500 to 700 calories at breakfast and then 500 to 700 calories at lunch. Then let's see how you feel at dinner. You're in much more control of your cravings, your hunger. You feel really mellow throughout the day, not this crazy up and down um, energy. But yes, so immediately upon looking at a diary, I can see under eating and particularly under eating um, protein and fat is the most common. So big picture real quick before we zoom into that, I appreciate you so much for sharing kind of the real raw emotions because as you well, first your first story, I felt like so many people feel like this, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think people sometimes think that people that work in nutrition are like exempt to normal, normal people feelings, which is not true. Like we all have the same thing. So I appreciate that you took the awareness to change that because I think I say this a lot, what is common is not necessarily normal, mm -hmm. right? And so just because the feelings you were feeling were uber common, didn't mean that you had to deal like that's the sad story yeah. of life is like people are like, Oh, well, this is just how it is. No, it mm -hmm. is not just how it is. Like you can improve this whole situation. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. But then the next piece is, um, you know, I, I heard myself in the just exhale. I love the way you say this, this exhale. I like the way it's like a name for that whole mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like a scavenger hunger yes. person. I love it. The exhale, like you put a calm word on a, on a bear, yeah. on a bear like action. Um, totally. so, so, and then the side note here is oh, as well is that we all have, it's no one's fault here, right? We have a bad messaging history of low fat, low satisfaction, which actually leads to a lot of issues with like insulin resistance, believe it or not. Um, so it's, it's really retraining people, uh, you know, from like kind of a bad couple decades of how we used mm -hmm. to teach people for things. And, and that's mm -hmm. not quite, that's not quite, we're not kind of, we're not quite out of the woods yet. And I think not everyone knows this, right? That's called this failed lipid theory. There's people, there's plenty of people doing research on it. Like, so if you're in the know, awesome, but there's still a lot of people that aren't in the know and are living this right. deprived life, right? Well, you just kind of think that you're at fault. You're like, well, if only I could overeat on carrots and celery, if only I could just get the crackers out of my house and the cheese out of my house, I wouldn't crave it. No, that's not it at all. It's like, you're, you're not bad for like, you know, falling into what evolutionarily is supposed to happen. You under ate all day and now your body needs to meet the needs of energy demand. So, um, I, I think a lot of times we can get convinced that it's just our fault. We just need to try harder. We just need to clench our teeth a little bit harder. We just need to, you know, clench our fists. I call it, um, 
you know, like kind of this grin and bear it. But if we can get ahead of that and just like not even experience the craving at all, not even experience the hunger at all, you're going to feel so much better. And so I don't come at it from a place of like, just try harder. You just need more discipline or willpower. That's not the answer. It's, um, you know, speaking to your body with what it needs and treating it with respect by feeding it uh, what it needs, and you'll be in far better shape. Yeah. And, you know, it goes without saying, I don't know if people think about this, but when we kind of convert to this fitness life, maybe this whole food life, maybe this paleo life, we're kind of thinking, oh, we're eating healthier now, and we're doing so well. But the problem is, if you didn't Sometimes when you're eating healthy doesn't mean you are healthy. And so um, I know we didn't talk about this before, but I was at a conference last Saturday and the presenter was from California. He had a big athlete population. Mm-hmm. And I see this as well. I always say that the people I see some of the worst micronutrient problems are are postpartum, older people and athletes because mm. – um, there's so many more energy or nutrient needs, right? And so sometimes those nutri- mm-hmm. nutrient reserves weren't full when we started this process. And so sometimes when we deplete them to the point of not good, um, mm-hmm. he talked, and we can talk about more about this later, but he just talked a lot about how he sees CrossFitters sometimes that look a little waterlogged, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're basically their insulin receptors aren't working because of nutrient reserve issues. And so you're not getting that energy into the cells. And so you're just kind of retaining water because um, anyway, so interesting side note thing, kind of have a whole other discussion, but yeah. Um, okay. So you really, you, you really outlined kind of your approach on a certain amount of, you did mention calories, but a certain amount of protein, fat carbs per meal. Do you want to talk about how much you kind of recommend at meals or how do you, do you want to talk about just a little bit more deeply about how you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the, you know, the next step, the next kind of like question in people's minds are like, well, how do I know I'm eating enough or like, what does enough protein or enough fat look like? Cause I've been saying that, right. I've been saying you need to eat enough. You need to have this balance on your plate, but what does that actually look like? So I like to say, um, it's like kind of in that 20 to 30 gram range for protein at every meal. And what that really looks like if you're not tracking would be about four to six ounces of meat, fish, or poultry. So you can probably think to yourself, wow, I definitely didn't have that at breakfast or my salad was really skimpy on the, on the chicken there. So it's probably not that four to six ounce, um, portion size. That's like two to three eggs. Um, that's about like a cup of Greek yogurt or a cup of cottage cheese. You know, usually that's like a serving of protein powder, like one scoop. You just like look at the back and kind of see what that is. Um, like a protein bar, if that's in the range of 20 to 25 grams, 20 to 30 grams of protein, that would be a great serving. But a lot of times those are falling short. So just keep in the back of your mind. It's about the size of your palm, um, for that meat, fish and poultry. It's about the size of a cup for that yogurt and cottage cheese. And that would absolutely make you feel more full and satisfied than the like skimpy portions that we're seeing at breakfast and on your to go salads and these, these bars that are sold in convenience stores. Okay. And then, yeah. And then fat similarly is around, like I'd like to see around 10 plus grams at a meal. So 10 to 15 is a good range. Um, obviously it matters what, where you're at by the end of the whole day, but I find that that 10 to 15 ish gram range for a meal is going to make you feel more full and satisfied. It's going to stay with you longer. So that's about, you know, uh, two tablespoons of cooking oil when you're like frying up your eggs in the morning or you're throwing like, you know, you have a snack of, you know, a fourth of a cup of nuts or seeds or you're putting a heaping spoonful of nut or seed butter on 
on an apple or, or celery or something like that. You know, thinking about olives and cheese and hummus and coconut products, they would be like a couple tablespoons to equal that 10 to 15 gram range. So if you are, you know, eating, you know, looking at the back of the label right now or looking at your meal, tracking your food, something like that, and you're falling short on that fat, I would definitely bump that up with a variety of different sources. We just named a few and just aim for that 10 plus uh, gram range that will definitely stay with you longer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's not so hard to find carbs. Carbs are in pretty much everything, but those real whole food carbs like fruits and vegetables and whole grains um, are going to fill you up a lot more than the refined sugar and refined uh, grains like pasta and um, pastries and baked goods and, and things like that. So if you're looking for you know 25 grams, 30 grams of carbohydrate in non-starchy vegetables like broccoli, bell peppers, lettuces, cauliflower, spinach, like all that good stuff, that's about a cup or to three cups, depending on if it's cooked or not cooked. So you can imagine like the volume of food on your plate. If you're really aiming for 25 to 40 grams of carbs on your plate from a variety of sources, um, that would be, that would be great. You know, and people like to think when they're trying to lose weight, it's all about eating less. It's more about eating right it's more about eating uh, a better quality because the, the volume of food on your plate is going to be so much higher. And to your point, it's going to provide you with a lot more micronutrients, those vitamin and mineral stores that will actually help you reap more energy from your food in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So um, something that I feel like comes up a lot is protein ranges, like what is the right amount of protein? Because that was kind of a buzzy thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the fitness community before. So, you know, how much protein per day should someone have? Like, what would you recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of, I, I think you touched on how that, what that looks like, but maybe you want to reiterate that as well. Yeah. So the current um, RDA for protein, so the recommended daily allowance for protein is something like 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So let's just say that's like a 150 pound person. That's only about 50, 60 ish grams of protein per day. And so that's where a lot of the, you know, we'll see these recommendations online and people say, you know, you can easily overdo that, or you're going to put stress in your kidneys, or you're going to disrupt something if you eat more than that. But actually that number just translates to the absolute minimum for a sedentary person. And what I would find is you'll be much more satisfied in your meals and snacks. You'll have more energy for your workouts. You will recover better from your workouts and sleep better if you had somewhere in the range of one gram uh, per pound of of body weight instead of this kilogram range. And plus, we we don't talk in kilograms in this country. We're talking in pounds. Mm -hmm. So let's just translate that. That's about, um, let's say, a 150-pound person. That's like 150 grams of protein. So basically double what the RDA is for that same person. I'm not saying this is a sweeping, you know, generalization for everyone. So I take a, when I'm working with clients, I like to give them sort of a range, let's say 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight, which is around 120 for that 150 pound person, you know, upwards of 150, 170 if they're weight training. Um, your needs are higher if you're an athlete or if you are um, doing some weight-bearing exercises. You want to put on muscle. You want to have a leaner body composition. We do need to have more. So I hope that answers your question. Um, I can definitely explain more. Yeah, definitely. So basically, current standards are very minimum for someone who doesn't really move. But you're saying mm-hmm. we can go up 
you know, quite a bit if you're going to be moving. Do you um, have thoughts? I know you already went over the amount of protein you look at per meal. What about people that want to do way too much protein per meal? Um, what can happen there? Do people use it all? Um, what do people need to know about that, if anything? Yeah, so it, it, it can be kind of a fear-mongering tactic that people use to say, you know, if you have too much protein at one time, it just goes to waste or it puts stress on your kidneys. And we've actually th- found through research that that's not true. Um, if you don't have any immediate protein demands, it just it's not like it does any harm, especially if you are a healthy individual and you do not have um, kidney disease. So the only time that we would ever need to worry about too much protein, especially too much protein per meal, is if you have a pre-existing condition that affects your kidneys. So, um, I'm, yeah, I guess we can't really say what actually happens to that protein, but there are so many hundreds of processes that protein is used for in the body. So even if it's not going towards building new lean muscle, it could be going towards repairing your gut lining or making enzymes or contributing to hormones and things like that. So, We like to, um, the research has basically shown that we will stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So we will stimulate the building of muscle and the repairing of muscle if we have around 0.4 grams of protein per kilogram per meal. So I know this, I'll break it down for you. So let's just say that 150 pound person is trying to get to one gram uh, per pound of body weight. So 150 grams per day split that across four meals, that would look like that 25-ish gram range that I mentioned before. So having around a 25 gram to 30 gram range of protein per meal is going to be that sweet spot for somebody who wants to stay full and satisfied, support their lean muscle uh, growth, that lean muscle maintenance, um, and, and to have happy, healthy hormones and things like that. So it's really not far away from that just general recommendation of like aiming for 25 grams in a meal. Yeah, I also I've, I I want to hinge on to that because I find that these general recommendations are generally in the ballpark of what a mm-hmm. lot of people need. And so sometimes mm-hmm. we get so hyper-focused, we're like, we get all tense and hyper-focused, like we got to get this exact number. And exact, like micro-focusing is for someone who has figured out the macro piece, right? Like a yeah. big picture piece. So if you can hit generals, now you can go to something more specific. I can see if it tweaks it a little bit. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You had to kind of think about it like a pyramid. And at the bottom, the basics are real whole food. Then maybe the next tier is PFC eating, having a balance of all three macros in each meal. Then the next piece is like aiming for the macros at the end, by the end of the day. And then the next piece might be optimizing the number of nutrients per meal. So we don't want to master that. We can't master that top step if we haven't mastered the bottom step, that lower tier. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. It's perfect. So what are the results that happen when people start hitting these balances? Like what, what immediate shifts do you see? So immediately in the range of like one to three weeks, if you're tracking macros and really hitting what you need to for your body needs, I see almost immediately people are commenting on how great their sleep is, how their energy is throughout the day, the reduction in cravings for sugar and carbohydrates, um, just feeling generally mellow and stable throughout the day. So no more of those high highs and low lows with energy or high highs and low lows with mood. And then in the range of like maybe two to five to six weeks, I'm hearing comments on, wow, my pants are fitting a little bit better around the midsection or, you know, my, my workouts are going really well. I'm not 
sore afterwards. I'm, you know, able to kind of, I can get back up in the morning. If I've had a strenuous workout at night, I'm not like feeling that for two or three days. Um, and then later on in that like six to 12 week range, that's when we start to see the real body composition changes. So we start to see muscles pop that you haven't seen in a while, or, you know, you're like, wow, I'm checking out my back, like in the mirror, or I have a tricep that just appeared out of nowhere. And that's where, like what I'm, what I'm typically seeing is recomposition. I'm seeing lean muscle building and fat loss at the same time, because you're supporting your metabolism and being able to build that lean muscle or maintain that lean muscle while dropping excess body fat. And that's what macros brings that calorie counting doesn't bring. And that's an important distinction. Um, macro tracking is not the same as calorie counting, even though they kind of equate to the same thing, they're equating to an energy de demand by the end of the day. Uh, by tracking macros, you are essentially telling your body what to do with those that food. You're saying, please hold on to that lean muscle mass while prioritizing fat loss, or please, um, you know, uh, please build muscle here in my calorie surplus, like I'm eating more than you need. So please put it towards lean muscle building with that, you know, that strenuous exercise that I'm putting you through. So essentially, you're, you're speaking the language that your body speaks, you're kind of giving it direction with the nutrients that you're putting in. I love that. I wanted to like applaud you for being such a <laughs> role model. And you said something earlier that I wanted to t uh, just bold here that I thought was important. You said that this can become intuitive eating, right? This doesn't have to feel mm -hmm. so box-like or so restrict. It doesn't need to feel restricted at all because it is less restricted than what a lot of people are doing. Um, it's you know the right fit for the right person. But I love how you said it can become intuitive because once you understand how your body works and feels you can then take the training wheels off and ride the bike on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, but there's no points or colors or yes, no foods in this method. This is simply learning how your body understands food so that you can teach it right back or you can use that method right back. So I oftentimes hear when clients graduate our work together, like it's no longer a mystery. Like I know if something's not going right, how to fix it now. I don't need you. And like I'll tell people in my first interaction with them, I was like, my goal is for you not to need me. I want to work my myself out of the job because that, you know, that is so empowering to me to know that you can hack your own body just like I have. Exactly. I love that so much. And that is exactly the, the thing I'm going for too. And the other thing that I loved that you said was that you said, between one to three weeks, you should see this if you're doing this correctly. And I love having time expectations because so often yep. when I've seen people in the past, you know, it's just like, well, we just do this until it tell you don't need it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, you know, history tells us and experience tells us that we need this phase for this long and this phase for this long and this. Phase. And these are the, the, the responses and the mm -hmm. results we should be able to see in this time. And if we're not, we might need to tweak it because mm -hmm. maybe something's not quite right. You know, those are things I, that's where I see like people getting lost to follow up when they don't have a plan, like someone to kind of, um, touch, you know, kind of look at it mm -hmm. if they don't know how to look at it themselves. So I, I love that you put a little bit of a timeline on there because I think sometimes people can just start something and be like, they're either on or off the train, but it feels perpetual mm -hmm. and they don't know where they're going. And it just sort of, sort of, there's no destination. Right. And in our world of instant gratification, we kind of think that those results are supposed to happen overnight. And so if we don't see the scale change right away, we don't feel our clothes fitting right away, we can lose momentum. And that's not how it works. A healthy body loses weight, a healthy body lets go of fat, fat, uh, and builds lean muscle. And if we don't master the appetite, the sleep, the, the cravings, like that stuff all has to change first, if that's a problem for you, before we can even expect body composition changes to happen. So that's an important reframe for anyone listening, like, 
give it some time. Like this stuff, you don't want to have to lose weight again. You want to get to a healthy body weight and body composition uh, and never have to do this again. So if it's a fad diet that promises something in 10 short days, it's it's not going to work forever. So um, take the long road, go for quality over quantity, you know, kind of, um, you know, this the, this type of approach works a lot better than, you know, something that's more of a quick fix for obvious reasons. Yep, love it. So Emily, if someone's listening to this and saying, oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? Like, this is exactly what we need. You know, what is your gut reaction to say to them? Where do you start? Like, what can you implement today? Or what's the most important takeaway here? I think one of the first things that you can start doing right now, if you're open to it, is to start tracking your food. So download a free app like MyFitnessPal or Fat Secret. Those are two really easy beginner level apps to use. Start just taking notice of how you currently eat. So don't follow anything like don't go download a calculator. Don't go try to figure out your macros. If you're a total beginner, just track where you are right now and start to get some understanding, like be thinking about these, maybe these ranges that I've mentioned, um, maybe 25 grams of protein, 10 grams of fat, you know, a hearty portion of carbs from real whole food and look at that on your, in your typical day. And if you start to see some holes, like for the ones I've described before, maybe eating too little at breakfast and lunch, overeating at dinner, under eating throughout the week, um, and overeating on the weekend, feeling that sensation that you just have to cram that food in, maybe start to front load your food a little bit differently look for some protein, some fat and some carb on your plate at every single meal and go from there. And once you master that, once you're feeling pretty good about that, then maybe it'll be time to go find a free online calculator to find out what your macronutrient prescription should be. Or you can check out my website. I have resources there at emilyfieldrd.com to find your uh, best fit macro prescription and then kind of work on the detail in time. Perfect. And I know on Instagram, you're also emilyfieldrd. And your name is super easy to spell. <laughs> I know, it's super easy. It's nice. And yep. you, you have a, um, a blog post about eating PFC we're going to put in the show notes too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So this is, again, the foundational approach that you need to start before uh, macro tracking. I would really advise you mastering this balanced eating foundation first before tying numbers to that protein, fat, and carb. So the blog post we'll post in the in the show notes, but it's eating PFC is the, is the keywords there. Love it. Absolutely fantastic. Um, good information. This is one of those episodes you can go back, listen to again, and take notes when you're actually sitting still and not driving. So mm-hmm. thank you so much, Emily, for for dropping, dropping so much knowledge on us today, being a great role model for other nutrition professionals and for, you know, women, the world, all these things. So thank we you appreciate so much. You. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 